everybody. Welcome to episode number 30 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey All Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show, as well our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler Long Live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Episode 30. Wow, we've been really doing it, boys. 30 episodes. We have a really special guest for the 30th. As we do, as per usual. But before we get into all that stuff, it's like every guest, the voice, every guest, yeah. Jason Davidson's here. What's up, LT number thirty, eh? Woofta. I didn't have to look too hard on the number thirty. We got a big shout out to Marty Broder, three oh. Stanley Cups, four Vesnas, probably the greatest goalie of all time. Do you think greatest Canadian goalie ever? Yeah, over Patty Wah. Yeah. I do. Oh. yeah. Well, right there. They're both, you yeah. know, what? Our three best goalies of all time are all Quebecers. Pat Roy, Fleury. Yeah, you think Fleury? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Price. Fleury's in there. You bet. Price needs to yeah. be in the fucking conversation. He, but he hasn't cup. won a cup. Yeah. That's right. He's got to get it here. Yeah. Scott forgot. Sorry. You're also here, of course, as for you. Oh, we get nice fucking rolling. Like, Nice to feel included. And just for the record, I was number thir- I was number thirty for the East Central fucking Hornets. Too. <laughs> How many numbers did you have? <laughs> Three different numbers for Scott. He's passed that's, down. That's he when changed, I played. He, he changed the numbers up every week, hoping for some better luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, uh, yeah, played goal for the old East Central Hornets. I was like fifteen, playing old timer rec hockey with a bunch of forty year olds and those guys. Them motherfuckers during warm up you know, stand at the blue line and they crack them throat high. And I was just, like, this, <laughs> this must be a rookie thing, you know, just seeing if you could survive warmups, but uh, anyway. that's gold. Uh, yeah. what's up guys? How's things? Is, uh, anything new during the week? A lot of hockey was on the go. Uh, Stanley cup finals are ripping up. We've been fencing around here, trying not to die in this, in this heat. Got Logan oh, Logan up again. Yeah. Hotter, hotter than the inside of a cow right now out there. Yeah, are you guys the same uh, lot out there, Scott? Oh yeah, hot and humid. I was just thinking, what SPF do you put on for sunscreen, Tanner? Like 100, SPF one thirty. Hundred, yeah, hundred is what I. He just wears his snowsuit out there, so <laughs> sun can get through. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, you go to Maui, like I've talked on here every year, and yeah, I just stock up on hundred SPF every time I go there. But this fucking heat is different than yeah. that heat, you know. I just burn. <laughs> Hey, I got a good one for you guys. Our guest today, we'll get into that, is Ty Murray. Uh, well, I got to see him in Albuquerque. It was his event every year, the Ty Murray Invitational. And me and Jesse decided to go golfing during the day before the event in Albuquerque. Same thing, mm. not used to New Mexico-type heat. And it was windy and cold, so it didn't seem like it was that hot, right? We get back to the hotel room, and both of us are like, holy shit, like starting to feel the heat. Like, okay, you got to lay down here for a minute. Wake up after like half an hour nap to get ready to go to the bull ride. And I go in the bathroom and it's the worst fucking sunburn I've ever had in my life. Like <laughs> bright redhead shorts on my leg. Like, and I get bad sunburns. You guys can attest to this. The worst I had. So I go to the bull ride and I go, I can't put my knee braces on. My sunburn's so bad. Like, <laughs> and Ty, Ty was sitting on a chair and, uh, and I showed, I tell my, like my, I was putting my brace. So how, I don't know how it worked, but he's seen it. And he was like, holy fuck. He couldn't like, it was the worst thing he's ever seen. I'd never seen him laugh so hard. It's like my first impression of Ty Murray was just how bad my Canadian sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. That was a bad one, though. But, yeah, then I got wiped out and hurt my knee because I couldn't put my knee braces on. So that was a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Wrap it up. Let's go home. As I, lo- as I look back. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think anything over 60 is probably, you know, you probably just need 60 SPF, but I always – Try to play it. I don't. I don't so use it. I don't use it. I put a little bit on my scalp, but I wear a hat lots now. Um, but I never had it growing up. We never had. Either my mom didn't love us enough, or we just couldn't afford it, or maybe there wasn't even anything. I remember. Uh, I remember my auntie spraying on the oil, like huh? in the sun, like yeah, yeah. oiling up, oiling yeah. up for it for the tan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah getting ready yeah. for it. They were only ten years older than me, so they would have been like teenagers then eh so, so really just just that. for the record there was sunscreen back then it was copper tone tan did it jason so obviously <laughs> your mom did not love you <laughs> which i find which no i find surprise. hard to believe with barb because she loved everybody maybe yeah. it was just you maybe it's just she you. she loved you guys more for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about the long weekend what do you guys got on the go here canada day weekend big weekend july 4th in the u.s what's crapping northbound Northbound. Northbound. to the lake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The lake. Me too. Fuck yeah. Get this fencing job done, and it's just time to jump in the water. Even though I don't swim all that well and sunburn. Uh, yeah, no, I always try yeah, to why, like, why do you go? Why do you know. go? Can't Beer, swim. Sneaky weasels. Can't sw- and, and, and whenever, wherever Tanner is, there's fire bands within 50 yards. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do some golfing. You know, uh, in-laws got a cabin and shit up there, so it's a freaking good time. Actually, Bo, brother Bo Barron's going to come up for the weekend, him and his wife, and we're going to oh, hang out up there. He's going to bring the camper. Every yeah, Thursday, spend about four days up there and relax a little bit before everything starts getting busy like it's looking to be for the summer. Oh, we got a big week next week, fellas, for our next pod. I hope to have some good news on some stuff. Got uh-huh. Yeah, a couple days full of meetings in Edmonton, so looking forward to that. Ooh, child. Game on. We're ready. It's getting for- real. It's getting real now. Scott, what about you? What did you? Uh, what do you got planned for the long weekend? Rodeos with the kids, or what are you guys doing out there? No, not too much. Uh, Braden's off working and going to some ropings. Um, just going to hang out at home here. The old moho, she had a little breakdown on the way home from the school last weekend that I was teaching. So uh, she, she's not going anywhere. No dice? Well, no what's the school? Where were you doing a school? What's what's the deal with that? Did a school in Grunthal, Manitoba. They hired me to come down there and teach bullfighting school and, uh, you know, had four, three or four kids. Uh, you know, it was good. It was good to see. It's, uh, you know, in Manitoba here, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to build these kids. You know, they, they, uh, I think it's just cause it's so far to travel out West, you know, it's just not quite as popping as it is out there. So it was nice to see some new blood come in and yeah, there's some talent there. So I had fun, got my check, got the hell out of there and got home. So there you That's go. It's fair. Actually, do you say that, right? You don't really think about it, but the, the, like you're far away from the Ontario side of things where things are kind of happening out there. And then you're far away from Alberta where things are happening over there. You got the CCA and the MRCA, but even the CCA rodeos, you got to travel a long ways to get to those out of Manitoba. Right. So there's some BRCs and stuff popping out there, but it's not really. Oh yeah. Our, our old friend, Ben Kincaid, he's, uh, he's doing quite a bit out this way and, and doing a heck of a job at it. And in fact, they are having a BRC there. And uh, I think it's early August. Uh, that Ben's producing so they were very the committee there was very excited about that so yeah I mean it's 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 just the I think over time 
some of the Manitoba talent that, you know, even when I still lived at home and stuff, there was lots of talent out here. I think it was the miles that burnt a lot of guys out before they got to prove themselves. It's really yeah. the, the long and short of it, you know, uh, uh, guys like Donnie McLeod. Well, that guy traveled and traveled and traveled, but um, yeah, you know, and the Larson boys, they, they, yeah, hey, sure, yeah. hey yeah. it didn't hurt Rod Rimmer, man. He traveled from Vancouver He's... Island every weekend. Yep. But he with, also has a broken neck. Yeah. He, <laughs> I was going to say, neck. I was fighting bulls. Oh, I'll, never, I'll never forget going to Luxton rodeo, you know, and it was kind of when I was just kind of making the transition from the amateurs and it was BC. And I just was so, this is it, man. Like I fucking made it. I'm going to Luxton. This is cool. <laughs> the, the opening ceremonies that day, the O Canada, this dude who I don't know comes riding in on horseback, holding the Canadian flag, trotting around the arena with a full fucking halo on <laughs> full halo. I'm like, I'm like, who in that? It was Rod Rimmer. Rod uh, Rimmer. Joel, hometown boy. Hometown boy. He's, there's yeah. no way he was not doing something at that rodeo. That was Luxton. That was Luxton. Yeah. Uh, I remember I did Luxton a couple years. Um, I remember getting out there, you know, it's like going to Morris. Once you get there, everything's good. You have a few yep. drinks and have fun next day. Yep get up the buses come from the ferry bus yeah. load and uh everybody's off and they fed you seafood in the tent and whatnot it yeah. was always hot i never had any rain out there it was just hot 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 and uh then after free beers and shit and then everybody gets on the bus goes back to the ferry and that was a three-day rodeo yeah and i remember i remember saturday when everybody was loading up on the bus to like, go back to go. Cloverdale. Yeah. Go back yeah. to Cloverdale. Guys, don't go. Yeah. Yeah. Please stay. Yeah. Stay Please here. Stay. Stuck yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, back to Cloverdale to the Red Barn for another couple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it, it worked out good because I ended up getting Cloverdale a couple of years later. And I, you know, that's when you start thinking, wow, I don't know. I can't believe I was missing out at Cloverdale. I should have been getting on the bus making the trip every day from Luxton to, to the yeah. Red Barn, right? So yeah. my last year at Cloverdale, I think I fought four bulls. Then never yeah. got hired back. So, yeah, get X'd out and never got hired back. <laughs> Rio Grande. Rio Grande, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming out. Rio de Janeiro was his That's name. it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least at least they paid you for your whole contract. There. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did they ever? I got paid <laughs> for the slack. And that was it. That's when I started doing contracts that stated if I get X'd out, you pay it all. I missed everything. My first one back. Yeah. You've told us, you, keep, you've talked about this on the pod before. Have I? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to I was going to go I back was, and be like, let's see what he says this time because we can hey, listen back to episode 12. I was going to say, you know, you, you said you you said you put it in your contracts that if you got X'd out, you got paid out. Funny thing was, after that wreck, you never got close to one again. <laughs> Shots fired. Give some uh, uh, I love you. I'm just bugging you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Uh, shit. That's oh, gold. Shit. The uh speaking of those rodeos and shit, it's pretty wild. Like to think right now should be right in the swing of things with what Wayne Ray would have just finished up, right? Pinoca starting Starts. right now, or would have started a couple days ago? Yesterday or today, maybe. Could have been yesterday think, even. Sometimes yeah. it started on a Tuesday, didn't it, Scott? Yeah, it would have been a Tuesday night perf. Would have been the night perf, 7 o'clock, and then they all go to 1.30 after that in the afternoon. So, yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of, uh, Tanner, uh, this would mean something to you. Uh, um, this is where we got the call 10 years ago that uh, 
your uh, rusty son, Max Clooney, had uh, passed away, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite the, quite the time in this, uh, this time of year, right? It's Tuesday, right? Or what day is it today? Wednesday. Wednesday no. the 30th today that we're recording. Oh, yeah, so, yeah today, Thursday yeah. it'll come out. And, uh, yeah, today is the is the actual day that, that the boys' plane went down. So, yeah, you know, for people that don't know, Wade and Cam Cooper, Danny Mantica, and, and my brother-in-law, Max Clooney, went uh, fishing up north on a fishing trip. And on the, on the way home today in 2011, 10 years ago, their plane went down and, and they all passed away. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's like looking back, it's kind of surreal, like, thinking about it and just thinking about how life-changing that was yeah. for everybody uh you know us as a family and mm-hmm. then the whole kind of group and world you know that the new max is a 15 year old boy you know he was the nicest kid and and one of the greatest kids you know to, to everybody a lot older than than his years were you know he was an old soul kind of thing so it was just uh yeah it's it's crazy thinking looking back seems like a lifetime ago you know but then again it seems like it was yesterday so no i remember getting the call tonight would have been tonight i, I believe yep. right yeah um at three in the morning and got the news and, and you nailed it on the head it was just it was unbelievable it was unfathomable mm-hmm. that that yeah could happen to four people that fast right and yeah. uh uh, it's uh, I, I I think about it all the time, and uh, especially this time of year, you know, it always yeah. resonates. Spinoka. So yeah, I remember your dad called me too, like six thirty, and uh, yeah, it was just it was. Yeah. I don't even know how you put it into words. And I remember texting Rusty, you know, like, and I didn't know is a text the right thing to do, and and I remember texting him, and he texted me right back, and you know, that's between Rusty and I, and I just sat here like. Yeah. I sat here and then I phoned your dad back and we talked and cried and talked and cried some more. And yeah, it was, you know, you couldn't help but think obviously of Rusty and Sharon and the family, the Cooper family, like two of your boys, you know, Wade and both had, you know, Wade and Cam both had kids. I got to know Wade real well um, (laughs) from the bull riding committee. And uh, couldn't help but think of some of the shit that man could come <laughs> oh, up with. Oh, like, out of his mouth. Like, yeah. uh, you know. I remember, and- I, I remember one time we were sitting in the committee room at the PA Bull Riding, uh, which is now the Clooney Cooper Memorial. And uh, anyway, I cracked, or I tried to make fun of Wade Cooper. He was saying something yapping, and I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. And he goes, you know what, Scott? I've been waiting for you on the corner of eighth and go fuck yourself for a week. So when, when, and you know, that's how quick witted he was. And, yeah. and you know, it, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I just want to say one thing is that um, the family and uh, the bull riding and, and Rusty and Sharon have done a phenomenal job of keeping Max's memory alive, yeah. you know, and, and then, yeah. and paying tribute to, max and and cam and wade and yeah danny. Uh, you know dan yeah. danny yeah like you never really forget about them because it's you know with max power and and the bull riding and the football field the and, ring of honor too ring of honor yeah and that and that's um, a that's a true testament of how special uh they were so i remember setting up the first uh first pa event that when we you know after so it would have been the next may we were doing the first Clooney Cooper Memorial and Rusty wanted to do this ring and he said I'm giving it to Blaine 
And yeah. some of my listeners, if you don't know, Blaine Feist is probably the hardest working man on the 3D bull riding tour by far. Yeah. And uh, he, the story he told, it just, it's max to a T because he said, I, rem- um, I remember, I remember Blaine rolling in and that shiny Pete with the steel on the back of the trailer and Max was 10, 10. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Our first PBR yeah. and running the skids here. And if anybody knows Blaine or any of the committees we work with, he gets in the tractor or in the skid steer. And to this day, I remember Blaine saying, that's the only guy and, and this was a <laughs> 10-year-old kid that he let run the skid steer. You know? uh, so yeah. him and Blaine, him and Blaine hit it off right away because Max loved that sort of thing. And I think he admired, you know, the work Blaine put in around there. And he was just eager to be there with 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 this with as another set of hands and and running that that skid steer. And he did it. Perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just fucking uh you know life. It's pretty crazy how when you look back on things, how different moments, you know, change yeah, everybody, change everything, everyone, everyone around you, you know. And um without different things that happen, other things wouldn't happen. And Rusty and Sharon have been so great to uh get through that. As you guys know, as parents, yeah. losing your child is fucking oh the worst thing in the world right so for them to you know and, and keep his memory alive and and uh, you know stay strong through it all for for their daughters and for all of us the rest of us right we we had no idea how you re- never dealt with not passing you know passing of hardly anybody before mm-hmm. little somebody that close to you and uh you know they were just the pillars to keep everybody strong friends around them like how do you you know like you said jason what do you say to somebody what what's the what's yeah. what do you you can't, there's no words that you could say, just be there. Right. And try to, to be there for them. And they were, you know, they did that for everybody else around them too. So yeah, we miss those guys hugely. And uh, like you say, not a day goes by that we don't think about them or know them. And this time of year, the weather and, and everything else yeah. involved, it just, you know, brings back those, those memories. And I find the, uh, the days leading up to the actual day are usually are the worst, you know, those yeah, are because you're remembering those times and thinking about those times and what you did at that, that day, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. And yeah. She's just no, she's fucking wouldn't worry. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. That's for sure. No, you know, no. it's, it's filthy. So I, I, and you nailed it again, Tanner. Now that uh, you have your own kids, I mean, gladly 110 percent overtake me first right? yeah yeah exactly right any day i would never want to have to deal with that yeah yes sir yep and yeah well uh so yeah we're all thinking about uh the the cooper families manticas grabas and uh yeah the clooney clan everybody around here so we'll uh we'll honor them like we always do and come together as family and and take care of each other and have have fun right have a cheers cheers for the boys, for the boys. Are you having a sneaky weasel right now? No, I'm about to. I'm fucking getting pretty close. Though. You didn't you didn't see him when we started? He already shotgun too. <laughs> just priming, just priming for the pod. Speaking of shotgun, there's a TikTok video going around. Jackson showed me these two chicks. And the one girl, she's she's in down watching, watching her uh, friend, like right close. She pokes the hole, cracks it, and then blows into the can, and it shot out like a like a cannon right in her face. Oh, right in her face. Yeah. What about uh, hockey stuff, Jason? Have you uh, been obviously you've been watching? But can you believe that the fucking Habs are in the Stanley Cup Finals? You know what? 
Yeah, I can. And I'll tell you why. They were one of the best teams the first 12 or 15 games in, which mm-hmm. is basically, you know, the first quarter of the season. And, and uh, then they had some injuries. Uh, Price went down, which I thought Jake Allen stepped up and did a hell of a job to, to help them sneak in. They had a coaching change. Yeah. Um, but they were on the same playing field as everybody else with no fans. And I don't think, well, we can attest to it. We tried it. We did it last year in Lethbridge. Like it's, it's not easy. Like, you know, the, what we feed athletes and promoters and producers, we feed off that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, but now I, I, uh, you know, they, they're, they're behind one game, nothing here. I think it was a five one, but uh, yeah, it's the best of seven for a reason. So we'll see what happens. I'm just scared because I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Habs fans are weird. Oh, now, dude, they're a color of church. Right? Oh, and, 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 yeah. and if they happen to win, like like I said before, Carey Price, I just want him to see, him, see him hoist it once. I, yeah. I think he yeah, I agree. It. And whatever. But yeah. uh, like, can you imagine the shit you're going to have to hear for a whole year till the next season's next Stanley mm. Cup? Man, oh, it's just yeah. going to be. Yeah. I'm probably going to get fucking thumped out on Main what, Street, Brandon, for saying that. I don't know what uh, Quebec's going to do. They're going to have to drop all the COVID restrictions at least for three days after and then sure. lock everybody yeah. down again, I guess. Did I you know. see outside the, the rink the yeah. other day? All the shit. So they down? can have 4,500 people in there and there's got to be 12,000 standing outside. Yeah. Right. And oh, and already in. Yeah, yeah, going hard. They fucking tear gassed them, and fucking there was about twelve people or I think arrested. They all were yeah, going wild. How about was, big, big rig Pat Maroon shooting for three Stanley Cups in a row here? Yeah, not bad. And then I hope, I hope for his sake, he can get himself a contract with another zero in it, maybe. Um, or at I think least, he's got uh, two. I think he's got another year on. Didn't he sign two years? Started did this he? year. I think he signed well, two he years did. with Tampa. He could have. Yeah. Well, I guess then uh, that should be it then. What would he be bringing in a year? Not much. Not, I think it was like eight fifty nine. Yeah, I was gonna say it might be low, low a million. Yeah, it might be oh, like seven fifty yeah. or nine hundred. Yeah. Although, with that being said, I'd take that right now. <laughs> Should I see if I can get you a tryout? For, yeah, for the goalie, <laughs> please. Hey, speaking of hockey and our guest Ty Murray, yeah, and we didn't get to touch on this in the pod, but. What about his knowledge about Slapshot and the Hanson brothers? Yeah, that was right? gold. He had some good Canadian knowledge. Like, I was pretty impressed with his resume before we got him on. And then once he started talking like that, I'm just like, this guy could be a Canadian. <laughs> G'day. Like, he, he's cool. He's cool enough to fit right in here. Yeah. 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 I like it. What did he say right when he came on? He's like, every time I hear your voice, I think of the movie Slapshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yep. Uh, we should do an epi. Based on the movie Slapshot, bring in a couple experts. Yeah, the uh, the bring in the Hanson that... brothers. Dave ha- Dave Hanson's been on the the Spit and Chicklets podcast. I listened to that one. It's it's cold how it all came it? out and how they wow. the movie came about, and how they got the role and shit like that. It's, it's a good story. Yeah, let's do it on the. Well, we got okay. Podcast. Well, let's try and get him. Let's yeah, get, let's badass. reach out to him. 
Oh, Sneaky Weasel Lager. If you're looking for a smooth, refreshing beer this weekend, grab yourself a Sneaky Weasel Craft Lager. This mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 ABV, but goes down crisp and clean. This beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration, fun in the sun, and good times with friends. This beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFB podcast. Boom, gonna get some of those in my guts this weekend. Look out, baby. How much uh, fencing you got left to do? Scott, have you got your sneaky weasels yet? You guys were at my uh, house. Was it my fault you didn't grab any? Or were they gone? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll <laughs> go with the, you yeah, had we'll one, go. Scott. Didn't you have one? No, I never did. Oh fuck. Well, well you, the host the host You probably did. You probably just one. don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that Friday night I had six and uh, I don't even know it. That's weak. Oh uh, yeah, you guys gotta get it together. You know what? I probably if I'd have had well, maybe I did have some sneaky weasels, and it was such a good time. It took me five days to get over them. So, <laughs> hey, I did that last weekend. I went up for a friendly round of golf at Emma Lake with uh, Ben and Dave Manson. Yeah, and um, they like to have a good time as well. And got me, boys. Got me. How's it me? Rough for a sleepover. No, she like, yeah, well, I ended up at their cabin for a while. And then my wife was like, What the fuck? And she had to drive me home. And yeah, one of those <laughs> deals, but it was a good yeah. time. And I, we golfed, we had a good time. We had a good game of golf. Me and how uh, was your golf game? It's getting better. Yeah, yeah. it's getting better. Mid 80s. Well, not oh, a yeah, fair view. Not at Fairview the other day, Scott. <laughs> Fuck off. You couldn't get it off the you couldn't put your ball on the tee either. But that was no, I know. Uh bull riding news. JB Mooney takes the Reno rodeo. Fuck, that is badass. You guys see that? Seen that. Yeah, yeah, I seen that. Yeah, he moves up, I think, to number six in the standings here now. Yeah, that's uh it's crazy, eh? Like it's almost I don't know, what's the word? weird to see or whatever the him at rodeos i guess you're just so yeah. programmed to see him at pbrs but um even this point in his career he he still can show those guys up eh? and uh his you know what he's just as famous in the rodeo world as he is in the, in the bull riding world so. well he, this this is the problem he's got 70 different fucking sound guys to get bad to the bone to <laughs> <laughs> but i noticed that reno i noticed that reno they were dialed in they had it going yeah. Did they? Yeah, yeah. they're all a couple a of them. Good rodeo. Man. And actually, you know what? Kudos to some of the announcers are actually acknowledging that he probably is the best bull rider that's ever lived. Well, because they weren't at the start of the year at all. It's if I was a committee man at some of them events, I'd be like, "Why are you guys not talking about this guy? This is JB Mooney here." Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't care if he hasn't been a PRCA cowboy before; he's here right now. You know, he can sell tickets. I would care. I would look at it like this. You guys better pay attention because he's going to take a buckle home at the end yeah. of the year. So you yeah. may as well celebrate it throughout the year. Yeah. I touched sure. on that a little bit with Ty and I uh, wanted to get his take on it too. But you're right. Like, wait, what? She's an even playing field in Las Vegas and he's within, well, $75,000 lead is nothing to overtake yeah. at the, the NFR. NFR. That's a round win and the average title yeah. right yeah. there. And you're there. He's loving it too. He looks like he's just having a blast. You know, he's got his family and they're just fucking camping out everywhere and he's rodeoing, old school rodeo, and which he never did in his career. He lived from going to bull riding to bull riding, flying in airplanes and shit. And um, he paid his dues. He wants to go and just enjoy his time rodeoing and low key, you know, it's not the, the big pressure and all the other shit on the go, I think. And 
it looks like he's having fun. And uh, uh, yeah, you look at the autograph signings and shit that he's behind the shoots. It's just people lined up for miles wanting to get it, you know, just see him. Right. Cause he's been so hard to, to see, he's been very exclusive to get to at even at PBR autograph signings and all that shit. He made his name in that way that he wasn't, you know, like a lot of the guys where you could get his autograph every two seconds. Right. He never, he didn't go and sign autographs. He stayed away from all that, made himself exclusive. And now he's, you know, giving back to, to all those people, I think, and he's having fun with it. And then not to mention his three-year-old or two-year-old kid has more followers on Instagram than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stetson made a big move. Actually, Stetson finished second. Uh, Reno? Um, he, yeah, he was oh, winning the bull ride until then, until yep. uh, he went, until JB went. But, you know, there's a kid now number one in the all-around standings, which he's been for months, number two in the bull ride and number two in the saddle bronc ride. Yeah, and you're right. you'll hear you'll hear Ty talk about now. There's a guy that can ride Bronx as good, and I might I might even say right now or better than he rides bulls. And he's right, pretty he's handy at style. riding bulls. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He styles yeah. him out. Like when when he gets on those twenty two point horses, he that's that's his jam. You know, yep. like he he dresses him up. Makes hey, what was better. the deal with fucking Virgil the other day in the Bronx riding? Did, with Rusty? Yeah, did, did you it, see that? Yeah, what was that I about? Know, but I bet you Rusty wished he was in the bareback riding that day. <laughs> yeah. Was there, did he say, or there was a reasoning what they were no, doing there? Just no. trying it out? I guess. I guess so. That happens, though, right? You watch like Kingsway went from the bareback to, so did Airwolf. Uh, um, yeah, but did, sure but, did they just, but did they just decide to change it up with Kingsway at a fucking huge rodeo? Yeah. <sighs> Probably. We're talking about Vernie Franklin. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that would bite Good him. point. Valid uh, point. Valid point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think Painted Smile was in both, right? Yeah. Didn't gr- Graded Coconut, they never put a saddle on that horse, though, did they? I don't, I don't so. think so. No, I don't think so. Christ, epic, can, you, can you imagine? Shit, oh, yeah. Bring out the bigger cinch! I yeah. need a six-foot cinch! Yeah, yeah. no yeah. shit. Speaking of Greater Coconut, the Calgary Stampede list has been finalized. All the competitors have been announced. The bull riding side of things looks a little different than normal years, that it's not PBR approved this year. It's a PRCA rodeo, so it's a lot of uh, PRCA rodeo guys. I didn't really look at the the other events. I'm assuming they're similar, maybe, Jason, or have you seen lots of guys not coming, maybe, or because of the rules, or... Yeah, well, I can speak for a few. It was just, yeah, the rules, you know, the quarantine, the vaccination shots, uh, things like that. And, you know, 30% less prize money. The bonus is is only 50. And I think only half of it counts. So, and it's over the 4th of July, right? Yeah. So it's tough for them guys. And I think if they would have known ahead of time, for sure, it's X amount of days of quarantine. But uh, my understanding that it wasn't firm on how many actual days it would be. And then they got to be in a bubble there, apparently. I don't know if that's changed now that the all the rules have lifted. I haven't since since Stetson, Ryder, and Rusty didn't enter. I didn't pay much attention anymore, really. Was, you know, we got Zane and Jordan and Parsonage and Butter going. So we'll be well represented. Zeke is entered. Zeke, yep. So, yep. so the 3D boys will represent well. Um yeah, we'll, we'll try and get a hundred and fifty thou out of there for a couple the boys, wins, eh, Tanner. A couple uh, wins for the boys. We'll be we'll be cheerleading yeah. along. Yeah, lots of Canadian uh, guys in in the 
list, I guess, uh, that are that are going to get to go. There's no PBR guys as we stated before, and then I think uh, they were having trouble like filling the the bull riding side of things, is what I was hearing, uh, due to the fact that it, the fourth and all that sort of shit on the go in the quarantine rules and and that it's uh, rodeo side of things. But it opened lots of opportunities up for these for Canadian guys. So good for good for those guys. Hopefully they can take advantage of that and win a bunch of money out of there. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, it's it's obviously it's just different this year, and hopefully it all goes back to normal and we can roll on next year, right? Yeah. Hey, we're we're in the same boat, fellas, in our game here. Like it's it's different this year. We're maneuvering around two provinces instead of six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Which that's okay. It's closer. Because <laughs> yeah, <Yeah. it's> okay. <laughs> you know how cheap that fuel is running three trucks out to Moncton, New Brunswick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'd hate yeah. to see what fuel costs in Moncton, New Brunswick, if it costs this much here. I yeah. saw, well, I saw BC's fuel was ridiculous, and so is Quebec's right now. So I would imagine, nice. yeah, we're I think premium fuel is like a buck fifty-five a liter right now. Yep. I uh, our old friend Sylvain Bourgeois is dropping twenty horses off here uh, this Monday night uh, that are on their way to the Calgary Stampede. They're oh, taking yeah? the. Uh, exchange race and all that crazy oh no shit yeah that's the night show that's the night show i don't think it's the night show i think it's taking the place of the wagons to tell you the truth and then well that's what i meant Uh, because that kicks off the night show right (laughs) then we used to always go up watch the wagons and then they put the stage in yeah 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 yeah. that's what i what is that scott uh, you can can you explain that to people that don't know what it is it's the exchange race, right? So well, be I don't even exchange. know how you fucking explain it. They jump off there's, the horse, and another guy jumps on. It's fucking wild. Well, there's two, there's two ways of doing it, right, Scott? There's the pickup, isn't yes. it? The pickup yes. and the exchange, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't so seen the, it for a couple years. The, the pickup, they run around the outside, and there's an actual runner on foot on the inside, and they reach down and throw them up behind them. And it's yeah. a timed event. They're timed in, timed out. Uh, the exchange race is where they actually, and in St. Tite at the Western Festival, they put padding up against the shoots because yeah. these guys will shoot off doing 30 mile an hour <laughs> and, and full face plant into the shoots. Like, oh, my God. Oh yeah. Well, the first year I fought bulls there, I'm like, shit, this is awesome. Look, at they got padding for us. We take a shot. This is where we want to take it. And so it's like, oh, no, no, no. Kings. That's, oh, for the, that's for the horse riders. Oh, it, you know, funny. it's just something different, and who knows, it could it could become maybe a mainstay at Calgary in some way or another too, because it is, it's something a lot of people have never seen in their life and will go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but on that note out there during, there was one guy, do you remember the one guy, Jason, that did the old hand thing and he'd beat the yeah. shit of himself. I did. Absolutely. Um, he just, he just he was retired. One of our, did he? He was one of our first Wrangler endorsees in Quebec. Really? Like, gotta have, gotta have that guy. Yeah, he yeah, fucking yeah. gets yeah. the people's eye. What was the bull rider that everybody loved out there? You remember? Sylvain Champagne. Yeah, yeah, Champagne. Yeah. Champagne yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, He was still getting on at 40, I think. Yeah. Like he was he was our age, Scott, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I he just retired. He just retired two years ago. What yeah. a fucking handle. I love that handle. Sylvain Champagne. Champagne. I mean yeah. a rock star name. Maybe. And Jean and Jean-Marc Mernier was uh was the other guy that rode pretty good out there too. Updates on the PBR side of things. Ezekiel Mitchell and Keyshawn Whitehorse split the velocity event and trying last weekend. 
I probably butchered that name. I don't even know what fucking state it's in, but uh, good for those guys. Get a velocity win, get some points, start their start their summers off good. And some bad news for one of our 3D guys, Aaron Mercer, tears his knee up at the Reno freestyle bullfights. I think it's BFOs at Reno. Mm-hmm. I get confused if they're BFOs or UBFs or fucking ABFs or what sort of F or it might be. Or- yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Mercer takes a shot there, and the reigning world champ is out for a while. He's, I think he might have to get some surgery on that, but it sounds a bit. But he says he's going to try to be back for for Vegas, for the NFR, for the finals, and we'll see if he can get back in that time. Hopefully he can as well. Another Canadian in the freestyles, Connor Larrabee, did good. He was an 87, I think, in, in one of the rounds. Yeah, one around it. One around, and then at one of the final rounds gets wiped out again and shattered his kneecap. God damn, that sounds painful. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Right? Yeah, that does not sound good at all. That gives new meaning to ouch my pouch. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thinking about him, I know he had a big, long surgery, according to the internet and a couple of buddies. And so he'll uh, heal that up hopefully soon. Jake Gardner wins the Greeley, the Colorado? Yeah, yeah, wins the Extreme Bulls in Greeley. Good for him. Good to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, good chunk of change, about eight thousand. Yeah, it's yeah, big hit. U U.S. doll hairs. Yeah. That's <laughs> pump him up in the standings. So yeah, everybody keep an eye out for Jake. I talked to him the other day, and he is fucking booked up, and he's by himself. He's qualifications and shit for rodeo. Lots of people probably don't understand how you think you can just enter a rodeo and, and go to it, but you have to have certain qualifications and. Um, Prior well, they can make it very hard one. for you. Yeah, like there's, you know, lots of those big ones. There'll be, you know, 50 to 100 guys that won't even get into it, you know. So uh, qualifications make it tough. And when guys don't have the same qualifications as you, you have to go by yourself. And that's what he's doing. He's just entered as hard as he can enter. And he's got a got his truck and a little camp on his back of his truck. And he's just living off the yeah, land man. and cowboy. And yeah, so. You know what else? You can be a two-time all-around champ of the world and a bull riding champ of the world. And they'll still screw you on your entries. Yeah. They're putting Stetson up. He can't enter with his brothers because it's three. And he's yeah. the two-event guy. So a lot of those rodeos in May, he had to come back again, like go to Texas and then come back to, I think it was maybe Tucson, to get on his bull two days later. Yeah, they weren't putting them up in the like how do you like fix it yeah fix it or just change one name you know again as a promoter producer wouldn't you want your you know i guess for them maybe they want them back again okay manscaped today's episode is brought to you by manscaped our go-to for men's below the waist grooming products manscaped new product alert it's time to stop drop in order this brand new shaving kit that they just launched introducing the ultra smooth package a specialized growing shaving kit to help you buff protect and smooth your most sensitive areas i'm talking about their new crop shaver crop exfoliator and crop gel it's time to crop that bush ears and get right to the roots with a discount just for you get 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code NFP20. What do you got going on there? 
It's talking about roots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the steps. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. What's next? Oh, I'm still in the ad read, but oh yeah, easy turbo. <laughs> Fuck. Not done shaving yet. Uh, not done shaving yet. Step one: crop exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrowing hairs in your delicate areas. Step two: crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. Not bad. bad. Step three, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivot pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job. The ultra smooth package from Manscaped. Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Smooth it out, fellas, with Manscaped. Your balls will. Thank you. Boom! Okay, everybody, uh, it is the long weekend. Drive safe. Don't drink and drive. Please, that's not cool. That's not fucking great. So... Uh, if you're going to drink, which everybody does on long weekends, be responsible and don't drink and drive. We want to see everybody listening to the podcast again next week. So without further ado, we'll throw it to our interview with the king of the Cowboys, Ty Murray. At the young age of 23, Ty Murray became the youngest rodeo millionaire in history. That same year, he partnered with 19 other Cowboys to form the PBR. Six years later, he finally claimed his seventh all-around world title at the NFR. By 2000, he joined the PBR full-time and qualified for the world finals the next three years. Well, here comes time. This is the greatest cowboy of all time, fixing on his head. He just never slowed down. He just making himself the king of the cowboys. Best cowboy that's ever walked the face of the earth, I think. One of my mentors, for sure, growing up, and, and many kids' mentors for for sure growing up. Never set out to be anybody famous. That wasn't what I thought about when I was little. I didn't think I want to grow up and be famous. I always thought that I wanted to be a great cowboy. For me, when I hear the name Ty Murray, I think of the greatest cowboy ever. And a great cowboy he was, establishing himself as one of the greatest riders in PBR history. Ty is the best rodeo cowboy of all time in the history of this sport i don't know that there's ever been a guy any more dedicated or focused nobody puts out more effort than him he's very athletic and uh he just hates to lose ty murray is the uh michael jordan of bull riders he's he's the king our guest today needs no introduction but i'll give him a little one anyway a nine-time champion of the world a founder of the PBR, the king of the Cowboys himself, Mr. Ty Murray. Ty, how you doing today? Tanner, I'm doing good. Good. Thanks for joining us on the show today. It's an honor to, to have you on here uh, telling your story. So what's been, uh, what's been going on with you here lately? What, what keeps you busy nowadays? The kids, the commentating, what's kind of been going on in your life here lately? Well, all of it. I feel like I got a full plate. You know, I got a 10 year old son and almost three year old daughter. And, uh, you know, that's a full time deal and it's, and it's a lot of fun. And, and, uh, 
that's what me and my wife spend the majority of our time doing. And then the ranch, you know, keeps, keeps us busy. We're putting, we just put up about 855,000 pounds of hay and, okay. and, uh, doing, you know, traveling a little bit, doing some commentating and stuff. Been doing the, been doing, uh, some of the WCRA stuff. I also did the, the Bill Pickett rodeo that they had in Vegas. It was the first time for that to be on a network. And, uh, and then trying to get as much time as we can to, you know, do some fun stuff and some vacation type stuff, which we have coming up this summer that the kids really enjoy. So that's kind of what's on deck. Yeah. Have you kind of segued more into, into that lifestyle of the, the vacation and trying to slow things down a little bit compared to all the commentating that you were doing and, and always, you know, in the media and doing all that stuff? Is it more trying to take life in a little bit more now? Absolutely. You know, and I feel like I'm to that point where, you know, I feel like I've paid my dues, you know, (laughs) as far as, and, and, you know, my family's definitely the most important thing in my life. And and I have a completely different, you know, perspective now than I ever have, you know, and, and so it has been a lot about trying to get a good balance and, and slow things way down, do a lot less, and try not to miss anything of these kiddos, you know, and, and, and my wife and, yep. and all the, the stuff that, that we can do as a family and enjoying time here at the ranch. And it's really just been the best year I've had in a long time, you know, and COVID kind of helped, helped with that of just yeah. kind of making you uh, slow down. And, and I was able to fall into a groove that feels really good uh, as far as my family goes. Definitely tough to leave the ranch. And then if anybody's followed Ty or Paige on Instagram and, and saw the videos and the images from your ranch, Ty, it is a little slice of heaven by the looks of it. I haven't had the opportunity to visit, but uh, um, one interesting thing on the ranch when you brought it up, and I was hoping we get to talk about it, is is a lot of our listeners might not know that a lot of some of the greatest bucking horses in the world have come to retire at your place. Um, is, yeah. that, is that something you kind of had like when you were still rodeoing in the PRCA and, you know, working towards your ranch and, and when you purchased this, is that, is that something you always kind of dreamt of, of doing? Well, it kind of started, it kind of started on accident. There was a, there was a really great saddle bronc course named Rusty and he was like the little engine that thought he could. He was ugly. He was little, he was unique. He was, I mean, if you looked at him in a, in a pen of horses, he was the worst looking one. And he's probably the rankest horse that, that I've ever seen in my lifetime. He, I think Harry Vold owned him. He bucked him 56 times in one year and they rode him once. Oh, wow. Man. And you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's a record for a saddle bronc that I I've never heard of. I've yeah. never heard of any horse having a record like that. And he was, he was a great horse and I had the chance to get on him a couple of times towards the end of his career. He was still, he was still good, but he was getting in the twilight of it. And then after that, he kind of got too old. And I found out that Harry was still hauling him kind of in a B string, taking him to college rodeos. And boy, that made me mad because he was, yeah. he was a world champion bucking horse. And just, I mean, he was so great for so long. And so I called Harry up and I said, Hey, Harry, I said, you know, Rusty, man, I said, he's so great. I said, he deserves a, a better retirement than going on the B string to college rodeos. And I said, these college kids are saying they banged out a 68 on him and they couldn't have rode him one jump, you know, ever. Yeah. yeah. And so 
I said, why don't you send him down here to me and, and I'll just take care of him and just, just take really good care of him. And, and Harry said, God damn son, you're trying to put me out of business. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so he ended up sending, he ended up sending me that horse and, and Rusty had a, had a running mate on the ranch of Harry's. It was another really good, really hard horse to ride. That was a bareback horse named Hermes worm. And those two horses never left each other's side. So he sent me both of them. And that's kind of how it started. And and I really enjoyed having them two old bucking horses and, you know, I'd float their teeth and put them on equine senior and take care of their feet if they needed it or their teeth, if they needed it or whatever. And I, you know, they were just kicked out on grass and I never asked anything of them. And, and some other guy, you know, some other contractors would hear about it and they'd say, Hey, what do you think about this old horse? And, so I ended up retiring a dozen really famous, really good Bronx and, and yeah. barrack horses that I had ridden in my career and won a lot on in my career. And it kind of continued on for probably about close to 28 or nine years, probably. Uh, the last one just died a couple of years ago. And and it was just it was just fun. You know, I, I'd kick them out here on the ranch and they would just kind of have run of the place and. I got a cemetery along the Bosky River that runs through the ranch and they're all buried in a in a line up there and they all got headstones kind of commemorating their yeah. achievements and, and what they were able to do. And Amazing. It, it was just a it was just kind of a fun, just kind of a fun little side thing that I kind of stumbled onto, but I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, that's top shelf. Yeah, that's badass. Eh? Uh Ty, going back to your early days, fifth generation cowboy. Was cowboying the only thing that, that, that you did growing up or did you do other sports as well to stay active or, or what was your youth like? Uh, it was all about, it was all about cowboy stuff, it, really every bit of it, but I, I did other sports as a kid. Um, but I would always, it would always take second seat to, to rodeo. And yeah. so like I wrestled, I played football, played baseball. I did gymnastics all through high school, but like a lot of that stuff, especially gymnastics, was the whole the whole reason I did gymnastics is because when I was a kid, I was watching the Olympics and I was like that those guys right there would make the perfect rough stock riders. Yeah. You know, they're little, they're they're flexible, they're super super strong, pound for pound, great athletes, great body control, great air sense, balance. You know, I thought that those guys had in spades everything that I thought it would take to be a great rough stock rider. And so I did gymnastics all four years of high school. And I felt like it was something that, that really helped me with, with all those areas of flexibility, strength, even like the air sense that it gives you, because when you do gymnastics, no matter how many flips or what position you are in the air, you always have an understanding of where the ground is and and what your body is doing. It, It like, it gives you a, it gives you an awareness that maybe some other people don't have. And so I feel like that was something that, that, that really helped me in my career was um, I was always trying to work on things that made my balance better as well. And, and uh, that was definitely something that I feel like helped me. Did you I, catch say, shit? Did you catch it, shit I for that? It must've helped. <laughs> it must well, have helped. Yeah, help. I, yeah, I think, I think there was, there was probably people that, you know, would say stuff, especially people that don't understand gymnastics, you know, yeah. they think of it more as like girls with yeah. a baton twirling around or something <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. but, 
for me, what I looked at in the men's gymnastics, like in the Olympics, I thought those guys were the best athletes that I'd ever seen. And for me, I was so single-minded on wanting to be a, an all-around champion in the rough stock events that I didn't really care what he, what anybody had to say. And, and if somebody ever said something to my face, they could go home and tell their dad a little, a little pussy gymnast beat the hell out of beat the fuck out of Yeah. I feel like it, I feel like there was no, like it was nothing but positive effects for rough stock. So, so speaking of rough stock, um, out of the three rough stock events, Ty, what was your, your most favorite? What was the one that you liked or enjoyed doing the most out of those three? You know, I, I really, I've been asked this question a lot and, and my mom will tell you that bull riding was always my favorite and, and she might have a point there, but I really, I really liked all three and, Mm -hmm. and it was important to me through my whole career to not be known as a bull rider that rode bucking horses. Okay. Okay. You know, it was important to me to the the greatest compliment that I ever got in my Mm -hmm. life was like the first or second year I made the the NFR and and Jim shoulders said, I've seen a lot of multi-event guys. He said, but I've never saw one that works three rough stock events and I can't tell which one's his best event. And that to this day is, is probably the most, uh, meaningful compliment that I that I ever got because that was important to me if when I felt one event kind of slacking I'd really put my focus and 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 practice into that and and I always tried to keep uh to keep that up and 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 one year uh there wasn't uh I think there wasn't five thousand dollars separating my three events oh wow in my earnings so that was something that, that meant a lot to me was um, I wanted I wanted to be good. If I was going to do all three, I wanted to be good at all three. Very well, our, list, our listeners know about, uh, you know, you're an all-around champion, obviously, and, and uh, also won a world title in the bull riding event. But an average title, was it, correct me if I'm wrong, was it in the bareback riding at the NFR you won the average? Yeah, I won, I won the average in the bareback riding. Um and I think that's, I won the average in the bareback. That's a pretty big rodeo. That's a pretty big rodeo to win <laughs> an average. Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, won, I think I won the average. I won, I, I won the world championship in the bull riding twice. And I think one year that I won uh, the bull riding world championship, I also won the average in the bareback riding. Yeah. And, and those, those are, you know, that's I, – I didn't really think of that when we were talking about it, but those are the kind of things that, that were really meant a lot to me you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that went a long ways in, in trying to, in tr- trying to establish myself as a, as a good cowboy and not, not a, not a good bull rider that, that rode bucking horses. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. So you, you ended up when you started going to pro rodeos and stuff, I don't know if it was off the hop that you started traveling with guys like Cody Lambert and Lane Frost and, um, the biggest dogs in the, in the game. And you were, you'd be younger than those guys. Right. So how did, how did you get hooked yeah. up with those guys or meet those guys or, or get in that truck with, with guys like that? Right. So, so, uh, when I was, uh, my, my parents and Cody Lambert's parents 
and Tuff Hedeman's parents all were race trackers. Okay. And so we, we knew each other, like our parents knew each other well, and, and, and we didn't know each other that well because they were so much older than me. And so, you know, like growing up, like when you're in junior rodeo, yeah. high school rodeo, all that college rodeo, all that sort of stuff, when they're eight years, nine years ahead of you, that's, that's a long way ahead yeah, of yeah. you. So, yeah, sure, yeah. so we, we didn't really know that, that much about each other other than our parents really knew each other. And then I would go to, when I was like 16, I went, I would go to the Phoenix pro rodeo and I'd try to mount everything I could out. And, and uh, that year I mounted out a bull. Um, I want to say, I want to say Cody might've won the one Phoenix on the, on that bull. Okay. And then I rode him one night mounting him out. And I guess some people told Cody that, that he was lucky <laughs> that, that I wasn't old Entered. enough to be winners because I'd have beat him. And so. How's that going? So, so he, he, um, the next year he came back to Phoenix and I was there again, mounting out stock, you know, and, and he talked to my dad and he said, he told, he just told my dad, he said, when, when he gets old enough, he said, here's my number. When he gets, when he gets old enough to get his permit, call me. Oh, cool. And so, you know, that was a big deal to me and that's what we did, you know? So from my, my very first rookie year, right out of the box, you know, trying to fill my, as soon as I filled my permit, I was traveling with Cody Lambert, uh, Tuff Hedeman, Jim Sharp, Lane Frost, you know, wow. and, and, and right out of the gate, I'll never forget the first, the first big rodeo we all went to together. I had $700 to my name. That was, that was all I had. Yeah. And, uh, the plane tickets to, uh, to Portland used up my, all the money I had. Yeah, so. So we got there and we, we got there and, and, uh, I did pretty good at the rodeo, but it wasn't over. So I didn't know if I'd won anything or not. And we went to a steakhouse and it was, there was 12, it was all bull riders and there was 12 of us. And it was, you know, tough lane, Cody, Jim, uh, Clint Bronger, Wacy Kathy, you know, Charlie Sampson, Ted News. It was, it was the 12 All best famous. guys there were. All <laughs> yeah, no shit. And, and then, and then there's me who I just turned 18 and I've never been anywhere and, and I have no money. Yeah. And in those days we would always gamble for everything. So if it was, if it was hotel rooms, we gambled, if it was meals, we gambled to see who had to pay mm -hmm. gas, everything. <laughs> Well, they start playing this numbers game and I, I, I literally, I got no money. I don't have anything. <laughs> and, and the, the bill, we were at a nice steakhouse and the bill was $1,200. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, this was, this was when I was 18, that, that $1,200 felt like a hundred thousand yeah, dollars. You know? <laughs> and, and luckily, luckily I didn't lose Clint Bronger lost and, and he was pissed and, and he said, I don't, I don't mind losing, but I don't like you fuckers looking at me. <laughs> so we all, we all quit looking at him because we were half scared of him. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. yeah. What was it like traveling uh, with those, with those guys? I guess it's kind of a two part question, but uh, a couple of, you know, Jim Sharp, lots of those guys known tough, known for their wilder side of, of going about it. You doing three events. 
I imagine you had to be in top physical condition for your body to hold up in all those events, but traveling with those guys, it had to be some, some pretty wild times, right? Through the, through the story. Yeah. Years. Yeah. There, there was, you know, lots of fun and lots of wild things, but, but really it, 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 it put me on my trajectory so fast, Okay, you know, because I, I believe that, who, you know, and I've always believed this, that who, who you hang out with is, is important and really affects and impacts your life and who you are and, and how you look at things. And, and you know, you, you would see guys that had talent that might, that might gripe about the judges or they might whine about what they draw or, you know, whatever. There's, you know, there's a million excuses out there if that's what you're looking for. And yeah. So, you know, like growing up, I was able to do pretty good at every level, you know, from junior rodeo to high school rodeo to college rodeo. You know, I was winning at the, at the national level in all of those. Mm -hmm. But whenever you step to being a professional that does it every day and that's all you do and that's what you do for a living, that's always a big step up for about anybody, yeah. you know. And so I feel like it it helped me so much to start out with those guys from the get go because every one of those guys had such a winning attitude and mindset. Yeah. And, and, you know, we really looked at it like we knew we didn't know who was going to win, but we knew it was going to be one of us. And that, you know, that's how we, yeah, that's so how cool. we, um, that's how we felt about it. You know, that ain't how we acted. That's how we felt in our, in our bones about it and being in with guys that never make excuses, never whine, never bitch, never complain, never, you know, all they, they were focused on one thing and that was getting to the, to the biggest rodeos there was and, and kicking butt. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I can remember Lane, you know, I can remember Lane, we, we were at, uh, I think we were in Tucson one year and this bull, he, he was a really, he was one of Benny Butler's best bulls and he blowed out of there and rolled me in my hand and bucked me off right there. And I stood up and I was mad and, uh, Lane was pointing at me and slapping his leg and just laughing as hard as he could, <laughs> you, you know, and that was kind of, that's kind of the way th that those guys were in the way we were. And, you know, because it was just like, it was just like that, that we don't do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he, he looked like a monkey, you know, and he yeah. just laughed. And, and so that was kind of the, you know, th those sort of things I think are important anytime you're doing a sport that the odds are stacked against you so heavily every time you go out there. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I felt like I was in with the toughest winningest guys that's probably ever done the sport ever yeah and, and i feel i feel really fortunate for that opportunity i don't want to put you on the spot here but traveling with that group and and maybe this question goes beyond that group but um who is your single biggest influence um maybe as a as a hero you looked up to or mentally that that got you and that 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 might be uh ridiculous question because i think you had it figured out at a young age um i know you're saying well, guys yeah, like one guy yeah but is there well, one guy out of that group or who... well it, st it started with my dad and yeah. it, you know it started with my dad he was a guy that i look up looked up to a lot and he broke colts for for yeah. a living when i was a kid and 
when I saw his toughness and braveness and never weaken like sort of way that he had about him, that was, that was very inspiring to me. And then, and then I would say after that was really all four of those guys, you know, and they, they were all four different, but Jim Tuff, Lane and Cody, um, th those guys were like gods in my mind, you know, especially me, me being so much younger than they were. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, uh, looked, looked up to them a lot and, and really that never changed, you know, to this day. I'll say those were the four rankest cowboys I've ever known or ever seen. Yeah. And, and so um, they had such a, you know, just such a impact on me, just, just the mental side of, of the sport, which the mental side of the sports, the, the, the hardest, most important part. Yeah. And, and watching those guys, you know, they were, they were, they were really all completely different, but at the core, it was, we bear down we guarantee we're going to try harder than anybody else and, and, and we're going to win it. Yeah. And, and that's it. You when know, there's winning. no, there's no, yeah, but, or there's no, there's no anything like that. It's just, this is what we do and, and we're going to, and we're going to kick everybody's ass. And that's how they felt about it every time, all the time. And, and so that was, um, you know, you know, when yeah. I see young guys coming up now that have a lot of talent and I watch them get in with a guy that, that is kind of one of those guys that want, you know, he's thinking more about partying and less about the bar stars. Huh? I don't the like bar star. <laughs> well, yeah, or whatever, you know, when you see a talented guy kind of get in with those guys well, you always just wish for him, or I always do. You know, I always think, man, if I was his dad, yeah. I'd really want to see him around somebody different because just like just like those guys' attitude was was very contagious to me, the other type of guys is contagious as well. Yep. And you so, yourself yeah, with. that's something I feel really fortunate about. You could kind of see that too, like with, with Lockwood when he was young coming up, everybody knew the potential that he had and, you know, uh, moving in, you know, living with Lambert and being around you guys all the time. And like maybe like what, what those guys that Lane and, and Tough and Cody did for you, you guys kind of helped Lockwood to do that same thing, in, in my opinion. I, I think so. You know, like when I look at J.B. Mooney, me and McBride, as soon as J.B. came around, you know, we, we really kind of, we, we knew that he had a lot of potential too. And he was kind of one of those kids that was always in our back pocket. You know, if you stop too fast, JB would run <laughs> into you. And so we would always, you know, like talking about how Lane would laugh at me, you know, that, yeah. that time I got one jumped in Tucson and, and that's kind of how we treated JB as well, you know, and, and we, me and McBride really tried to get into JB that there's no whining, there's no crying, there's no excuses, there's no nothing. You bear down, you get on the rankest ones, and you you go for it with everything you got, with every fiber of your soul. And that was the only thing that was acceptable to us, yep. to hand down to him. Mm -hmm. And he's really a an example. I think I'm an example of what I got from from you know those four guys, and I think JB's an example of what he got and i'm not saying 
it had anything to do with Justin or I. I'm just saying I, I don't think the, the 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 razzing and stuff that we gave JB. I think it definitely helped him and who he became as a man and a and a bull rider and an athlete and a professional sportsman. Yeah. That you know he 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 was the epitome of you go for it and mm -hmm. and you know he proved it over and over again that you pick the rankest one and you you try to win it every well, single time and yeah. and you know for me that's just that's that's the heart and soul of this sport you know and 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 i don't i understand being afraid of bull riding i understand you know it's the scariest thing in the world that you can do I, i've never found anything scarier than riding than riding bulls mm -hmm. but if you're gonna be a baby don't ride bulls <laughs> you, know, you know i mean yeah, not everybody not everybody yeah. can do it not everybody oh, yeah. can do it and that's what makes it special that's how i've always looked at it it's you know it's it's not for everybody but if yeah. uh you want to talk about the ultimate contest of man versus beat and, and and you know you don't want to talk about brass balls or whatever but it takes a special kind of human um especially oh, yeah. at the level what you're watching every weekend down there ty that's the absolute you know them bulls have the ability to literally take you out. Yeah. You know, you yeah. stub your toe, you, you might be uh, paying the price forever and ever on something like that. You know, you know, like, like for me, uh, this is something I was talking to a friend of mine about just this morning. Um, you know, the, the, the millions of fans are, are awesome and, and they make riding, they make riding really fun. Mm -hmm. But for me, I always cared more about what the handful of guys that I looked up to and had a, and had a ton of respect for what they thought about my writing and my approach to writing was more important than what a million fans thought. Hmm. And, and, and I'm not saying that like, like, don't get me wrong. The fans, the fans are everything, but, but for me, and I still feel this way today in kind of anything that I do, the guys that I look up to, the guys that I respect, those, those are the guys that it matters the most to me of how I approach anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, tried, I've tried to, I've tried to keep that um, with me. Yeah. That's, that's huge. That should be everybody, any, any listeners in whatever discipline sport or career you're in that, that's what it should be about right there. Yeah. The people around you and what they think. You know, that's kind of what I was talking about, about, I understand that, that bull riding scary, but, but if you're going to, if you're going to be a, a, a candy ass about it, then, then don't, then do something else. You yeah, know, because, yeah. Go team roping. <laughs> yeah go yeah go team rope exactly uh, that'll uh, bring on some of our good friends good haters, yeah, that's good that's perfect stir it up <laughs> one one question i always had for you ty and kind of like your generation of guys i guess like guys my age and, and the, the ones younger than me um grew up obviously watching the show eight seconds lane had passed before i was even alive uh you can kind of see yeah. the what the like what lambert and what tough edeman and those guys like what their personalities are all about what was lane you know you talk very highly of him but, but what was he what was he like as a guy lane, lane i think the i think that the um that the legacy that lane has is 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 pretty close to what he was like you know he, he was a guy that was smiling all the time 
he never met a stranger. He, he always, he always had plenty of time uh, for his fans and, and, you know, people that looked up to him and wanted his autograph. And, you know, what was funny is him and him and tough were kind of the, the polar opposite of each other, okay. you know, in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, they were both great. And, and, uh, and, you know, I think that when, when somebody that's as great as Lane was, when they die way too, way too early, um, that probably helps build, uh, you know, yeah. their legacy more, maybe you could yeah, say it's kind of, yeah. you know, I think it's that way kind of with, with anyway. anybody, singers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But, but there's no doubt he was, he was a, a great, tough, uh, bull rider and he, but he, he just he always got off bad yeah, and yeah. you know it was a joke it was a joke with us we we you know we used to we, we made fun of him all the time about it yeah. <laughs> and and because really he was the only one out of all of us that got off bad yeah. you know the, the rest of us all got off really good and and he was so tough you know i was roping bulls that that day in cheyenne that he got killed and as you as you guys know, it didn't really look that bad. Yeah. yeah. And and when he stood up, you know, and I'd seen him get slammed and wiped out and run over and hooked a bunch of times, and he was tough. That you know, that's a Tank, Lane was one of those guys that looked like the pretty boy smiling all the time, but he was super tough. Yeah. And when he when he stood up from that, you know, I was I was. 30 feet away on a, on a saddle horse and I and I saw that bull kind of hit him and I was watching and he stood up and I thought yeah he's fine and then he fell down ah, fuck. and when he fell down like I knew I knew something you know I knew it was bad I knew it was I knew it was really really bad because I seen him in I seen him in wrecks that you would have thought killed him that he just get up and act like it didn't even you know act like nothing happened so as soon as I seen him go back down, I took off on my horse and went and tied my horse up. And I came running around to the, to the sports medicine room. And when I came around the corner, tough and, and Cody were standing there and they were, they were white as ghosts. Fuck, and, you know, and so, so, so we knew, you know, we knew at that moment that, that it was really, really serious. And, Cody and I jumped in a rig and took off to the hospital. And when we got there, when we walked in, he was pretty much pr pronounced dead at that point. Oh, oh that had to be tough. Oh, um, fuck. how old were you, Ty? I was uh, 19. 19. Jeez. So, to, like, obviously, mindsets you have to push forward and keep going. You had all the success in your career, but did that did was it hard to to get back on after that or did you want to get back on and just fucking prove yourself that that you could do it or what was the well after so that? yeah so that's a good question so i always knew i feel like i've known since i was a little kid that this is really dangerous mm -hmm. but there's also something about being young that that you feel like <laughs> you feel like getting hurts for the other guys and for the guys that ain't yeah. as good yeah and that and that's really kind of how it felt you know to me uh my whole life real or my whole my whole riding career i always felt like i always felt like you know i like i felt like i could avoid getting hurt yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. i mean i felt oh, like yeah. i could yeah. 
I felt like I was good enough that, that, and, and, and when Lane, you know, when you see Lane die, you know, I knew it was because he didn't get off good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we knew it before that. Right. And, and, you know, really that's what got him. And, and it was, it was devastating to see somebody, you know, like him die at this, and, you know, but like I've told my wife, I've had a lot of friends die at this. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it's no joke. And, and I used to tell people, you know, like when they would say, you know, especially like people that, that didn't grow up around rodeo or, you know, or just people that, you know, all over the country that I've met and they're like, you, you ride bulls, man, you're, you're crazy. You know, that that's so dangerous. And, and like, they don't have a clue how dangerous it is compared <laughs> to the clue I, I got of how yeah, dangerous yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, and, and so just your experience of what you've seen, you know, yeah. when you say it like that, it's, 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 that's true. You know, it's not, it's not just lame. You've had a number of your friends that have, you know, passed because of their passion and love for the game of bull riding and they didn't leave the arena. For me, you know, for me, it never made me question what I was doing because I knew, I knew you could die about it, die from it every time I got on. Yep. And, you know, like I tell people, I rode 6,000 head in my life and I was scared every time. Mm-hmm. That's what this sport is. Like, that's, that's why I was drawn to this sport is because you're trying to take something, athletically speaking, that's as hard as any other sport there is or harder than a lot, in my opinion. But, but, where it, but where it's way different is you can literally die every time, even on a gentle bull that yeah. doesn't yeah. want to hurt anybody, you know, yeah. just by accident. They, they can step on you and you're dead. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't feel like I, I'm, I'm at a stage in my life now where I have a wife and two kids. And it wasn't, it wasn't by accident that I didn't have a family until after my career. Okay. Because I knew I couldn't go to work every day doing the doing the world's most dangerous job and lay it out there the way you got to lay it out there. You know, that th- the thing is, is you can't play this game safe. Yeah, you've got to You've got to get you've just got to go for it every single time. If if you want to be the greatest and you want to win at it, you've got to go for it when everybody else doesn't want to go for it. When it gets to that point of. You know, this may kill me or I, or I can just open up and, and go at it and, and it might work. Yeah. And so I was able to do that in my, you know, in my pre-marriage, pre-dad days. But I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. And and and, and, I, and I don't and I, I wouldn't want to now, you know, but but that that's that's the reality of, of what this sport is and, and what drew me to it is you're trying to take something that's so hard. You know, it's hard if it wasn't, if it wasn't dangerous and scary, it it, it would, it wouldn't be as hard, but it, but it would still be hard. And then when, when you add in the fact that it isn't that you just might lose, it's, you you might lose the, the, the ultimate loss, you know, And, and, and learning how to learning how to be, to stay focused, and fluid and make the right split second decision under those kind of circumstances that captivated me from, from the time I was a little boy and still to this day, it's what I appreciate about the sport. So when I see guys 
that go at it like a J.B. Mooney, uh, Jose Vitor Lime. When I yeah. see those guys that go at it like that, I still have the ultimate amount of respect and admiration for what they're able to do as athletes. Yeah, that's huge. That's yeah, you you hit the nail on the head there. I've seen, I've seen lots of guys in my career that are uh, – the best bullfighters around. And as soon as they, you know, they get married and then they have a couple of kids, their performance seems to go down and almost there's a couple that have just quit because they can't mentally focus on that job because they're worried about, you know, yeah. home and kids and stuff. So I appreciate what you just said there. That's you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I could, I couldn't do it no more. And, and, you know, when we were, when we were traveling, Cody Lambert had a wife and kids the whole time, the whole time I was with him, you know, Riley, his son was a baby when him and I started traveling together and, and him and I've talked about it and, and I wondered how he could do it. And I think if you asked him to tell you the truth from, from down in his heart, I think he would tell you that he would have been better had he not had a wife yeah. and kid waiting on him at home. And that yeah. made a huge impact on me. And, and I'm not kidding you. That is, that is the reason that I didn't start a family until, until I was retired. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Shit, or, yeah. Or, or a wife or anything. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's, it's so true. Like when you have kids, I, I watched, uh, I was supposed to go to Denver during the week between our, our two events on the, on the weekends and watched, was watching ride pass and watched Mason Lowe die on Ride Pass, right? So the next day I'm supposed to be flying to Phoenix and I was sitting with my kids and my wife and I fucking, I couldn't walk out the door. I'm like, I can't, you know, I couldn't, couldn't yeah. do it at that point, right? It took me a while to try to get my mind back to, to get that alpha dog back again. But yeah, that, you know, like you say, that other stuff in your life that, that uh, you don't really think will affect you when you're a kid really takes a toll on, on everybody. You know, it's like, it's like when I retired, um, I retired in May of 02 and I was still, I think I was sitting second at the time that I retired and I'll never forget, you know, I was getting on this bull in Billings, Montana and my hand, my hand, my riding hand was really sore. It was, it was kind of jacked up and it was really, really sore and it was kind of cold there in Billings. And I was, I was down in the chute on this, on this black muley and I had my hand in the rope and they were pulling it. And I was cold and my hand hurt. And I'd already done everything that I'd ever dreamed of in the sport. Yeah. And I, I it, it, it was that moment in that shoot. I said, what am I still doing out here? Yeah. You know, because going, trying to, trying to be the best and trying to break Larry Mahan's record that, that drove me like crazy every, you know, ever since I was a little kid, that, that, that was, that was what drove me every day. And so it's like when I, when I reached those milestones that I had set or those benchmarks that I had set for myself, then I lost all my, all my reason to be out there, you yeah. know, like I, and, and so that's why it felt like to me, like, what, what am I still doing out here? Like, like that was what, the day Todd, that was, that was the day. Yeah. Uh, that, there, that was, there was, uh, you didn't think like that on the airplane ride to Billings. It was no, it was no. It, it it came to me in that shoot right then, and that's the last bull I ever got on. I remember hearing the news, and then uh, well, everybody had questions, right? You know, well, 
yeah, you, you're right. Number two in the world. And just that's it in, in April, right? Billings would have been in April back then, wouldn't it? Have? Yeah. Yeah. April of the year, you know, it's just fresh start. And yeah. just, so, you know, a lot of guys always announce their retirement at the end of a season. When I, when I got back from Billings, I went down and, and uh, my, my dad was at the round pin with a Colt. And I went down there here, here on my place. And I, I went down there and I told my mom and dad, I said, I, I said, I'm going to retire. And they were just like happy, you know? And then mm -hmm. I called Randy Bernard next. And I said, Randy, I'm going to retire. And he said, he said, no, uh, he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm, I'm done. And he said, you mean like right now? And I said, yeah, right now. And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> retire at the end of the year this will be your farewell year yeah. i said no you don't understand i said there's nothing left out there for me except to get hurt and 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 i don't have the drive i don't have that burning desire in me to see how high i can climb anymore i, I climbed it higher than yeah, you climbed I, I climbed it high as I wanted <laughs> yeah. to and, 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 yeah. and even higher. And, yeah. and, you did, you and did so Everest now, nine times. <laughs> so so now I don't you know I don't have that I don't have that burning desire in me anymore. And that's been that's been the only like advice that I ever gave anybody was like if it's not burning in you, if this sport doesn't burn in you, then you don't need to be out there. Mm -hmm. And so so I took I took my own advice and I retired right then. And I've never, you know, I've never regretted it a day. And in fact, sometimes it feels like another person in another lifetime, really, when I look at my career, because, because I wouldn't do now the things that I was ate up with then. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, that's when you're at a, at a stage in your life where becoming a world champion means more than anything to you and breaking records or or reaching benchmarks you step yourself that was the only thing my whole world revolved around that yeah and and now it just seems i won't say silly but i i can't imagine it being as important to me now as it was then and you know when you have these kids when you have these kids it, it does something to you that you can't explain yeah. Well, I'm going to put my promoter hat on here, Ty. Did Randy accept that or did he try to talk you into finishing that year off? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, well, that's a big man. blow, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. You like, know, he, he, tried, he tried very hard, but Randy also knew me good enough yeah. that, that Randy knew that, that when I, when I say something like that, like it's. You meant it. Yeah. He, he knew that he knew that I wasn't going to change my mind ever. Yeah, and right. And I, you know, I remember Jim Shoulder said, "Yeah, you're not retiring." He said, "You, Casey Tibbs retired ten times." And I said, "No, I said I'm done." And so, um, you know, it's and and that's the whole thing about this sport. Like when you see guys riding bulls or or even bucking horses, for that matter, when they're doing it because their dad wished he'd have done it, or or their girlfriend thinks it's cool, that's not enough. That's not enough. No. Yeah. You know, like, like it's got to be something that, that burns in you. And, and, and I'm talking about that's not enough to win at it. And, and you're probably going to get hurt bad. That, that's, yeah. that's what's out there for you. If this isn't something that you think about all day long, every day without trying to. And that's how the first 31, 32 years of my life was. And then one day when I was 32, it was gone. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
and it's funny now like when i go like when i go to an event if i go like if i go on the back of the shoots or something to see to, you know like to see tanner when you know like when he was yeah. riding i get up there on the back of the shoots and these big old bulls come in there with these big horns and they're rattling around in there and i'm jumping and i'm like i gotta get out of here I don't care. <laughs> Uh, lots of guys too once it, like you have that passion for it and then it just becomes a job right and you're just trying to make money doing it or make a living for it and that's not enough either right right but, yeah that, that's a great that point you know like the, the the money the 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 really even like the fame none of that stuff is enough it's got to be something that burns in you that you would do it if nobody was watching and nobody knew yeah, Be, because it, it's more about for me, it felt more like don't get me wrong. I wanted to show people that I could be the best cowboy out there. Mm -hmm. But but really at the heart of it, I I was so ate up with it that if if nobody would have watched and nobody would have known, I think I would have done it just the same because yeah. I'm trying to to it, it's a it's a benchmark that I set for myself. And it was really important to me to see if I could go do it yeah that's huge nice all right Yo, scott go ahead you go ahead buddy yeah sorry uh, just kind of switching gears a little bit here so i have a kind of a two-part question maybe three um favorite <laughs> event or favorite event or rodeo in the u.s that you competed at favorite event in canada and in fact is our beer stronger than yours <laughs> <laughs> um so here's what i would say the nfr is definitely my favorite rodeo okay and i mean that's that's the reason you do it yeah. and uh favorite event in, in canada was it was absolutely calgary although although i like i like all the rodeos that i went to in canada yeah. and and i thought they were i thought they were great and i love the stock especially them big old juicy bucking horses yeah. uh and yeah. big you know canadian bread big soggy ones and and so I, I always really enjoyed uh, being able to go up to Canada and ride. Uh, but Calgary, you know, I mean, that Calgary is a, is a special, it, it's special. And, and it was always, it was always fun to go there. And, and I still have got bronzes, you know, all over my house, uh, big, you know, amazing bronzes yeah. uh, fr from the Calgary stampede that, that I'm, that I'm very proud of, you know. And the ranchmans, the ranchmans is always yeah, good. Yeah, the ranchmans, that, that's, yeah, you can't, you can't leave the ranchmans out. And you know what? We can't, we can't talk about Calgary Stampede uh, without mentioning our old friend. And I know you stayed there because your name was on the door of Tyler's yeah. room. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Our old Al, friend Al Sewell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Al Sewell. Uh, what a, you know, what a cool old guy he was, and and it, and I have so many great memories of staying in that house with you talk about some legends that, mm -hmm. have, that you know that have that have stayed in that house and and you know all the big pancake breakfasts and stuff that we would have in there and you'd come home some nights and there might be 30 cowboys at that you know so, yeah uh and 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 maybe some girls too i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no, no. wasn't wasn't owl's rule uh that it, he'd make the breakfast, but everybody had to do the dishes and clean That's it up. Right. Yeah, that was the one rule. Yeah, yeah I paid my, I paid my dude. I paid my dude. <laughs> yeah, right there. 
Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Good. I paid my dues long enough at Al Sewell's that I got my own bedroom. Yeah. 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 I really did it. <laughs> when Al passed, um, a guy should have went and, and uh, the key would have still been sitting up on top of the door. A guy should have went yeah. in there and took that door off the hinges. That <laughs> would have went in the hall right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have so many, I have so many great memories of, of all the, the riding and, and stuff that I did in Canada and some of the greatest horses I ever got on was in Canada and some, and I got on a handful of really great bulls there too. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget at Calgary one year, I, I drew this bull. I don't remember his name or his number or anything, but the only thing I knew about him was Charlie Sampson had had him somewhere in Canada, like a month, the month before. And he was like 90 on him. That was the only thing I knew. Mm -hmm. And I show up to Calgary and it's one of, it's one of, uh, uh, Kessler's bulls. And he was a big black bull and he had huge, huge horns and they were sharp as needles uh, <laughs> on, you know, they were sharp as, a, as but, a nail. Yeah. And so I showed up and I, he was in the alley and I went and I got Greg and I said, Greg, you need to tip this bull. He said, ah, if you're scared of him, you can get on the re-ride. <laughs> and for one, that pissed me off. And for two, uh, I knew that he was, I knew that he was really good, you know, cause like I said, Charlie Sampson had won some big rodeo up there on him the month before. So it, it, it made me mad when he said that and I, I get on this big old black sharp horn bull and I nod for him and he just, he just turns out of the chute and starts loping. Mm -hmm. He never bucked a jump. He just loped <laughs> around the arena and the, and the whistle blew and I, and I pulled my wrap and every time I'd kind of lean over to get off, he'd start scotching. Yeah, hook come back yeah he was waiting hand. for you yeah. and so i tried to get off of him about four or five times and every time he was he was just going to spin around and mow me down and uh and wayne bold was picking up and he saw you know what was going on and he come riding up he said you ready ty and i looked over at him and i said you damn right <laughs> and, and he he picked me up uh just like you pick somebody up off of the buck and go off this big, high horn, sharp horn, black bull that just loped around out there. Oh, that's uh, cow. That's cowboy uh, shit yeah. right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Me and me and me and Wayne. Ever since then, uh, me and Wayne have have been, you know, really really good friends for a long time, especially since that, you know, yeah, I bet. that, that took balls on both of our parts. <laughs> <That's bonding. laughs> now, now what did Greg have to say to you after all that? Was there a conversation uh, post uh, loping session? I don't, I don't, I don't even remember if I ever even said, I probably, I probably told him. Uh, he was a piece that, of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, probably, I probably said something like that, but. Yeah, it uh, sure it pissed me smooth off when he when he said if you're scared of him, I'll, I'll get you a you can get uh, on the re-ride. That 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 was like mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's uh well that, that's kind of funny. Like even like you guys in the sport, there was guys before you, but you guys seem to be your group with, with Lambert and, and um, your crew seem to be the guys that always like moved things forward, including the the PBR but rules and shit like that. Like you can't get away with stuff like that now, right? That wouldn't happen. Yeah. Took guys like you, you guys that that really made that happen for everybody else in the sport, which lots of people probably don't know, especially young kids now. Hearing that story would blow their minds, right? That shit wouldn't fucking. Yeah. There's yeah. No way you could. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, the, the PBR, you know, people, people have, have asked me a million questions about being a founder of the PBR. And, and for us, we were, what the PBR was to me, it, the PBR never seemed like an investment to me. It seemed yeah. like we had a chance to do things the way they should be done the way we thought they should be done. And, and that, and, and really that's all it felt like to me. And so every decision that I ever made for the sport in that regard, you know, of the PBR and, and, and stuff, it was always just what we thought was, was going to make the sport better. Mm -hmm. And, and then it ended up being an amazing investment, but but I believe the reason that it worked and the reason that it took off was because I don't think it ever felt like an investment to any of us. It just, it felt like a chance to do it, to do the right thing for the sport and to make it like a sport and for it not to be the old school, you know, the, the, the old rodeo thing where there was a lot of, a lot of other factors yeah. of luck and and different things that had to play into it and we just wanted rank bulls and it and it and the best rider could win and so that, you guys you know, must have talked about that and that truck a lot before the room full of guys wrote the oh, checks yeah. eh, Ty? oh yeah yeah you know like you know you would literally you would literally go to cheyenne wyoming or something like that that you know one of the biggest most famous rodeos in the world and you would look down the you'd look down the chutes and there would be 12 bulls out and 10 of them you knew you you knew you, you wasn't gonna win anything on them. Yeah. you might even be able to get off on a pickup man on one of them. <laughs> yeah 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 you might have to get off on the pickup man and, uh, and and then you would look down the chutes and the guy that would have the best one out would be some no name no talent kid from you know laramie yeah. <laughs> you know that didn't <laughs> yeah. have a prayer of even riding this bull and so it just you know it's it's not just that it's just kind of everything of and 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 when i say that i'm not taking away anything from rodeo because because rodeo is a cool thing all in its all on its own the way it is yeah it's sure it's, it is that's where there, all our roots are too yeah, all, yeah that's our roots Right. And there's so much, there's so much cool tradition and, and, and they've been good about that of, of keeping a lot of traditions intact. And so, so I'm not taking, when, when I say this, I'm not, I'm not putting down rodeo or taking anything away from rodeo, but we had the chance to take a part of rodeo and make it a sport. Yeah. Like, like sports are instead yeah. of like traditional rodeo, rodeo for a hundred, you know, however many years. Yeah. And so it was a, you know, it was, it was a, it was nothing but a dream to think of an event where all you had to do was be awesome and yeah. you were going to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I can't tell you like, you know, back in the day, pre PBR, how many rodeos you would go to and it didn't matter how good you were or how good you rode you weren't going to win anything yeah. at times yeah and so to to be able to bring to reality 
the fact that if you go and, and ride all of them, you're the, you're the winner. You're the best. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you win. Yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts. If you yeah. go the whole year and you ride all of them, you're the champ. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's something that is, is definitely not easy to do. And, and, but to, to have that chance to where if you don't win, it's your fault, not the bulls. That's, that's something that at one time people thought would never happen. Yeah. That's huge. Did you take a lot of shit too? Like when, when you guys were doing it, you being, uh, you and Cody both like Cody rode bucking horses as well. The other guys were strictly bull riders, but did you guys take a lot of shit from, you know, the other competitors and all the people involved of, of breaking away and and going into strictly bull riding? Well, here's the poster boy, the PRCA right here. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's why I was, yeah. That's why I was wondering. I, I think there was, I think there was a lot of that not not really that much to my face yeah but but you know when there's a and i think to a degree there's still a little bit of that weirdness that i don't understand you know because if anything i really believe in my heart and soul that the pbr has helped the sport of rodeo oh 100 percent. especially i was going to chime in when you were talking about the bulls tie you watch the bull power um, has consistently got better across yeah. the board because of the PBR in yeah. Canada, yeah, in the CPRA true. and in the PRCA. Um, yeah. It's not at that level. I've watched a few of the extreme bull events um, and I wanted to touch on this. I, uh, we represent uh, Stetson Wright, who's now, you know, probably the poster boy for the PRCA. Yeah. I, uh, I watched rapid city and, you know, when when Stetson does his job, he's supposed to get back to the championship round at a bull ride, yeah. right? And that's yeah. the way we set pens in Canada. Everybody should have a chance to win. I'd rather have somebody come back on time um, than have the 11th man sit out or the 16th man like at a UTB. Yeah. But, um, speaking on Stetson, I wanted to ask you, because I believe you brought him onto your team for the team challenge, did you not, in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. What... Uh, I'd like to hear you brag on that kid a bit. Well, I think he's an incredible talent. And, and I think the thing that I, that really stands out for me is I think he does both events. Great. Yeah. yeah. What I've seen. And, and I haven't seen a ton cause I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like follow every, you know, I don't, I don't follow up that, that, that much, but I, but I, you know, I try to see what I can see when I can see it. And what I've seen from him is, he's just as good of a bronc rider as he is a bull rider. Yeah. And it'll be, and I think he's getting better every day too in, in that. And I think we haven't seen even the start of him yet in the bronc riding. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's number just two right going, now. Eh? And, and, yeah. and the guy, and the guy ahead of him is a two time champ. That's two years older with the same last name. <laughs> right. So, so that that's kind of my point. And I think I think he's a good kid. I think he comes from a good family. And I know he's tough, you know, yeah. because you don't you don't go do what he's done and what he's doing without being tough. You just don't. Be, when you ride when you ride any rough stock event, let alone multiple rough stock events, you get, you know, the 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 the, the bull and the bronc gods ask you the question 
is this really what you want to do? You get plenty of chances to say, you know what, this sucks or this hurts, you know? And, <laughs> this and hurts. so, yeah. So, so uh, I think he's a great kid that that's, that's very tough and it's going to be fun just to sit back and see how far that he can, he can, that he can take it. Yeah. Well, when you talk about PRCA records and whatnot, um, been well documented. Sage Kimsey wants to beat Donnie Gay's eight mm -hmm. eight titles. Uh, JB Mooney just wins Reno, puts about eighteen thousand in his pocket, and moved up ten spots, and it looks like there's no stopping JB. We all know JB well. Uh, yeah. You got the Stetson rights. You got the the JB Mooneys. Do you think the pressure um, on a Sage Kimsey is is getting a little tougher to, you know, to repeat as a champion of the world again? Well, that's an interesting question because pressure is, is not a real thing. Pressure is, is man-made and it's self-imposed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. it's not a, there isn't, there, there really is no such thing as pressure. Mm -hmm. you unless know, you put like, it on yourself. Unless you put it on yourself. And and, and for that matter, it's man-made. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody deals with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I would think that Sage has been in the game long enough that he ought to know how to handle that. I, I think that is the, the, the biggest thing you got to figure out as any type of professional athlete is how to control the pressure that you put on yourself. And, you know, that's why you always hear guys talk about having fun because whenever you can get yourself into that mind frame yeah. of you're going to have fun the same way you did in the practice pen or your backyard or whatever, that's when you see guys perform at their best. That's because they're, they're figuring out a way in their brain to, to, to alleviate that, that pressure that they could be putting on themselves. Uh, I think Sage is a great bull rider mm -hmm. and I think he's been doing it long enough and winning enough and has been a world champion enough times that he should understand how to cope with all of that. Um, but I still feel like I would have liked to have seen him and JB in their go, prime. Ahead, yeah. go, go head to head in their prime in the PBR. Like an A. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so, you know, JB, JB is, he's, he's definitely, I could not have more respect and admiration for JB and what he's done. And he's still really good, but, but like to hear it or not, he's in the twilight of his career. Yeah, that's just, yeah. that's just the way it goes. Mm -hmm. And, and you see when he steps down to that level of bulls, He's he's a he's a giant again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so yeah. you know, so to me, that's yeah. that's what changes the thing. And and as far as when you when you talk about the PBR, there, there's nothing that even comes close to the the bull power that you're going to get on at the highest level. There ju there just isn't. Yeah. And 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 I know that I know that I only ever wanted to beat the best guys at their best. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's exactly what the PBR provides. 
I want you write in your motivational book but after yeah. listening to you for an hour here. <laughs> yeah, I know. What? And guys, yeah. like I've been on, I've been on some conference calls with PBR over the years. What Ty's been on, and obviously we've all listened to you. And you never, you never go away from that. The way you you tell it how it is, and you deliver it in a inspirational, no bullshit way. Um, and I think that's what makes champions. Obviously we don't have to talk about your resume anymore. That's public, but, um, have you ever thought about trying to put that on and maybe, uh, standing up in front of a room full of people and just telling them how it is maybe some hashtag NFP shit. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I know the way it is, but I know the way that it feels to me. Yeah. And, you know, like grow, growing up in rodeo, ro like rodeo announcers and what they do, like I said, it's its own thing and it's cool. But like when we started the PBR and we wanted to make a great television property out of it, traditionally rodeo says, okay, now we go to so-and-so contestant and this guy's a great guy and he's a he's a wonderful person and he's from a yeah. wonderful family and blah, blah, you know, and everything's just, Oh, he's a great guy. He's a, you know, he's, he's, he's fantastic. And, and so I think I've been criticized about being blunt or honest or, or honest to my view, but to me, that's something that I wanted to change because I'm not a I'm not a cheerleader rodeo announcer. I'm an analyst. Yeah, an and analyst. so yeah, yeah. so so the only thing I know to do is to is to give my honest take on what I was seeing. And I and and you know, like I don't have anything against any of the guys. I don't even know the guys, you know, really anymore. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I'm I'm 51 years old. I, I you know I don't hang out with these kids or 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 even really know them. But to me, it was important for this to become a legit sport. You can't have, this is a great guy from a great family, great, 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 everything's great. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. that's not legit. If, if Tom Brady goes out and throws five interceptions, they're not talking about how good Tom Brady is. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're talking about what he did wrong and, and why he did it and how it happened and, and, and that. And so – that's something that that felt important to me to bring legitimacy to the sport that you had to you had to treat it from a from a commentary analyst standpoint like sports are treated yeah and and so i i was never trying to be mean i was never trying to uh talk down to anybody or, or to try to, you know, I'm never trying to say, well, I was great and you're not it's like, that's not it at all for me. They hired me to be an analyst and, and, and I just try to say what feels true to me. Okay. Well, you'd, you'd make a hell of a governor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Ty, we appreciate you big time uh, coming on here. I don't want to keep you all day. We, uh, like I said, we really appreciate your time coming on here. Uh, we'll have our, our infamous question here, but I got one more for you before we do uh, get to that one. And, and all the rides through your career, we talk about Perfect Storms, Andy, Red Wolf, all the bucking horses that you rode. 
Is there one that stands out as as your most significant ride? Maybe the first world title or the seventh one where you beat Larry Mahan or the ninth world title. I know there's so many to pick from, but is there a, a moment in your career that stands out as your biggest moment? You know, that that's an interesting question. So it's kind of a big answer. Yeah. For one, I'm not one of those guys that I don't, I don't, I don't have a vivid memory of all my rides and where I was and what I scored and what the bull's name was. And, you know, we were, I was, we, somebody was joking with me about it the other day about how, you know, I'd be looking for my bareback horse and I'd say, which one's, which one's J 17. And Cody would go, you dumbass, you got on him last week. You know? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, well what color is he? You know? <laughs> so, so like, I never, I never really had that kind of mind where, where, you know, I was like, I know this one and that one, you know, I didn't care because to me, if you did, if you did what you're supposed to do, right. It didn't matter what they did, you know? And, and, okay. and I always wanted to react off of feel, but I can remember, you know, there's the rides that everybody knows about or that, that you know, for, for whatever reason, they've been shown a lot. But those weren't always necessarily my favorite rides. It's in Tanner, you, you probably know all about this, too. Like some of your best rides feel so easy that you step off and feel like you got loaded. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because everything was clicking and you were in the right spot and it just didn't feel that difficult. Yeah. And uh Sometimes the, the rides that meant the most to me are the ones where you might have won fifth, but you were bucked off and fixing to get your head rammed through the fence and you just cut loose and made the most gigantic move you could ever make and, and, and you survive. You know, yeah. things like that stood out to me. And, and what's funny is that's still the stuff that inspires me watching it today. And, and that's the reason I tell people that I've never judged I've never judged one one ride like I've never judged anything because I get caught up sometimes when I see a guy lay it all out there and just go for it and and he, you know he's about to take the worst slamming you've ever seen anybody take yeah. and, and he and he and he cuts loose and goes for it that if I was a judge, I'd go, okay, 90 points. He wins. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can't yeah. have an, I can't have an objective look at it because when I see that sort of stuff, that's still to this day, what makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck is, is when you see guys that, that, that do it the way this sport was intended to be done. Boom. That's badass. Okay. Yeah. I got one quick one. Oh, the here we best, go. the best, most talented guy you saw yeah bull rider or rodeo guy or bull rider bull rider bull rider rider, yeah so um that that's a that's a hard question i think the guy you know i think jim sharp in 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 his hit in his heyday i've never seen anybody that i thought rode better or made it look easier yeah yeah and and that's you know i was never as good at it as jim was but that was my objective every time was to try to make it look easy and and to try to make it look poetic and 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 like you were seeing something that that was just poetry in motion you know like and 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 i thought that jim was the best at that i've ever seen and talk about a guy that didn't – when you talk about a guy that knew how to manage pressure or, or, or not feel pressure 
Jim Sharp was the best at it of anybody that I've ever seen. And, you know, saying that, you know, when you look down the list of guys from Ted News to Charlie Sampson to Wasey Cathy to, to the, you know, Tough Hedeman, Cody Lambert, uh, Lane, Clint Bronger, you know, there's a, there's a, a long list of guys that I, JB Mooney, you know, yeah, um, J- Jose, there's yeah, a yeah. long list of guys that, that, that I can't, I could never say enough about how great they are. And, but, uh, I never saw a guy that was cooler or made it look more easy. I mean, there was times I, I, I draw a bull and I had seen Jim ride him maybe the week before and I'd be like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, and then like I would get slammed Fuck. so hard that I didn't know where I was, you know? And, and so yeah. even to a trained eye that really understands this sport and, and what bulls are, Jim could fool you. Yeah. And, and to me, he was so good and made it look so easy that I feel like it, it's, it cost him at times. Yeah, you, you know, because you could take Jim, who just sat up there like he could eat a sandwich, and then you'd put the same guy on him three rounds later, and that guy'd be on the end of his arm, you know, throwing yeah. hail marys for all he's worth, and that guy would beat Jim five points. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. You know, and that's and and I saw that happen to him a lot. Uh, um, so but 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 that list. You know, asking me who my who my favorite was, I'd, I'd have to say it was him. But but that's a long list because yeah. in my fifty one yeah, years, enough. I've got to see some I've got to see some some pretty ranked dudes. <laughs> yeah. All right, Scott, uh, you can hit him with our infamous one here. All right, Ty. Um, I don't know how to tell you how excited I was about this pod today. I you're one of my heroes when I started out and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back to the Al Sewell uh, household. We'll call it the first time I got to stay at, at Al Sewell's place. And I walked around the corner and I seen Ty's room on that door. I was just like, Oh my God, I've, I've, I've fucking made it. Ty made it here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, with that being said, uh, this is the NFP podcast and uh, we have filled you in on, on what it is to us, but we always ask our, our guests, what does NFP mean to you? Um, well, I think, I think that's kind of what it's felt to me like the whole that we've talked about for this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. um, I just feel like, this is a sport that I love and I was born into and, and it'll always be a part of me. And, and, and NFP is the, is everything that, that matters in this sport to me mm-hmm. and, and really matters in any sport that I watch and like guys that I'm drawn to in other sports, that like the athletes that I watch, like in football, the ones the ones that I think are the best are the ones that 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 go at it like we've been talking about. You know, the guys that are just tough and do whatever it takes. And and I just don't know how you you talk about. I just don't know how you would talk about this sport and leave that out. You know, like um, it's like I said, I. 
I don't expect everybody to be that way. But if you're going to put your name in the hat as one of the world's best bull riders, if you're not that way, then I, 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 I don't have any time for you. <laughs> I'm, just being, I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah. that, that's just the way I feel about it. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with, with, with you, with, with that guy as a person, yeah. because a, a person is, is something different, but as, but as a, as a, as a professional bull rider or professional cowboy, I, I just I can't get it out of me that the only thing that matters is how is how hard you try and how much guts you have and and that that you that you go for it every single time. We might have to get that quotations for the website there, LT. <laughs> so so you you can honestly you can honestly say you can't be a uh, you can't be a fucking pussy, right? Todd? Yeah, that's a that's, that's a fact. You that's can. Fact. You actually, you can just don't expect to ever win that much or, or do any of the guys that matter. Uh, 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 what a treat. Uh, what a treat. That's what a treat. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, awesome. thank you. That's super cool. And I, like I say, I could pick your brain for, for days. Oh, We'd yeah. love to have you back on at some point once we we'll keep growing this thing and appreciate you putting your name with it and, and uh, coming on this show. So, uh, yeah. the, career that you had the person that you are uh we appreciate you big time well i appreciate being on this and i'm proud of what you guys are doing um i think this is great for for the sport and, and you know i love this type of format and and you guys are doing a great job in how you're doing it as well and and thanks for having me awesome yeah. thank you very thanks, much ty. Thanks, this uh, has been our interview with the legend ty Murray. We live this life and not for love, so